I'd like to start by saying that the khutbah I intend, intend to give today is a subject that I hope to continue over three khutbahs. It's a three-part subject. I was going to merge all of them into one, but as I studied the material, I realized I think it's important enough that it be broken up into three parts so that we can give, give each of those parts its due. And essentially, all three of them have to do with the Pharaoh, with Fir'aun. And so I'm going to start today by giving you a little bit of an introduction and hopefully covering the first of the three parts that I, that I like to cover. Allah Azza wa Jal mentions disbelievers all over the Qur'an. Allah mentions nations that were destroyed. But there is no one individual Allah mentions with criticism and highlights more, perhaps even rivaling uh, or close to Iblis himself is Fir'aun. Like Allah does not mention by name other people that Allah despises or Allah criticizes the way he does shaitan himself. The closest one to that that you find in the Quran is Fir'aun by name. Of course, Allah mentions other disbelievers too, like for example, the one who slaughtered the she camel of Salih or Abu Lahab is mentioned by name. There are some villains in the Quran that are mentioned by name, but they're isolated incidents, like Qarun is mentioned by name. But these are not recurring incidents. Fir'aun is a special phenomenon. He's mentioned over and over and over again, what he said, what he thought, what he did. And it's a great deal of emphasis on this one individual. So the question arises, if everything in the Quran is about guiding us, at the end of the day, Allah says, Fihi dhikrukum, and it is your mention. Allah is talking about you, is reminding you about something that you can benefit from. What is the benefit in you and I learning so much about the Pharaoh? And a lot of times we think, well, we should learn about the Fir'aun because he was a great, powerful king, a tyrannical ruler. And as a result, when we learn about him, we can compare him to other great kings or tyrannical rulers who do similar crimes. So we're going to compare one ruler to other rulers. But I'd argue actually that it goes a lot further than that. What Allah highlights about the Fir'aun isn't just so that we can conveniently compare him to other people in his position, but actually to anyone in any position. Fir'aun had power over Egypt. He had power over the land. He said, Don't I alone own the kingdom of Egypt and these rivers flow under my feet alone. This is, what he, this is how he would speak about the control he had. But you know, sometimes you and I don't have, we don't control a country. We don't control rivers, but you might control maybe just your office. A teacher might control just what happens inside his classroom. You know, there could be heads of household that just control what happens inside of their family. So, you know, on the one hand, Fir'aun is very powerful, and that's the other thing I'd like you to think about. Fir'aun is very powerful on the, on the one hand, nobody can look him in the eye. Ala fil ard, Qur'an calls it. He was high up in the land. You can imagine him looking over his balcony in his castle with hundreds of thousands of his soldiers, dil autad, before him in his view. Nobody can even look him in the eye unless they want to get executed. It's a very powerful man, but at the same time, he was an old guy. And even as he turned in arrogance away from Musa salam, Allah says, فَتَوَلَّا بِرُكْنِهِ وَقَالَ سَاحِرٌ أَوْ مَجْنُونَ تَوَلَّا بِرُكْنِهِ could even mean that he turned on his cane. He leaned on it. Like the guy, he wasn't even strong enough to turn away on his own. That's how weak and pathetic he was. So on the one hand, he has so much power, but on the other hand, he's incredibly weak. But that's also true of all of us. You don't have to have a lot of power or an army under your control or millions in your bank account or something like that for you to have power. You could have a minimum wage job, you could have no job at all, and yet you exercise a lot of power over your kids, or over your spouse, or over your old parents, or somebody else. So the purpose of going through this study of Fir'aun that I'm going to particularly, particularly share with you, not everything about Fir'aun, just one particular aspect of his career, is to highlight whether or not you and I have something of Fir'aun inside of us. 
And I really want to emphasize that it's for myself to look at myself, number one. And two, if you see that kind of behavior directed towards you, that you should be careful of it. Because tyrants come in all sizes, shapes, you know, and, and all forms. And we have to be aware of these tactics that Fir'aun employed. So now let me get down to the subject itself. When you look at the crimes of Fir'aun, there's only two kinds of crimes. Crimes against Allah and crimes against humanity. And most of the time when we talk about Fir'aun, we talk about his crimes against Allah. فَقَالَ أَنَا رَبُّكُمُ الْأَعْلَى He declared that he is the most supreme high God himself, you know. So he says, you know, I want to go up to the sky and talk to, you know, إِلَهِ uh, Musa. Let me go climb up to the God of Moses myself. You know, this is his arrogance. But on the other hand, and of course he says to his generals, مَا عَلِمْتُ لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَهٍ غَيْرِ I don't know of any other God for you other than myself. This is the way he spoke and these are his crimes against Allah. When he's making fun of the Messenger of Allah, these are his crimes against Allah. But this series of talks is not about his crimes against Allah. We've heard a lot about those. This is his crimes against humanity. How did he, you know, uh, how was he oppressive towards people? What, did, what exactly did he do? One place in Surah Al-Qasas, Allah describes, يَسْتَضْعِفُ طَائِفَةً مِّنْهُمْ He was very powerful in the land, he had high power in the land, and he sought to make a group among his people weak. Historically we know that's the Israelites. That he would make them very, very weak. So you understand that he has now control over another nation. He's invaded or enslaved another nation. But how weak? That's the question. And that question is answered by the rest of that ayah when Allah says, يُذَبِّحُ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ وَيَسْتَحْيِي نِسَاءَهُمْ He would slaughter their sons and let their women live. Now the thing is, this is not the first time some people have been invaded or enslaved. And this happens to this day. Nations get invaded and nations get enslaved. And whenever that happens, people fight back. People don't just take it lying down. People don't take the slaughter of their children lightly. And they, it doesn't matter if they have a rock or a stick or you know a bottle in their hand, they'll fight back. Even if they're fighting against, against tanks and guns. So the fundamental nature of human beings to defend themselves, this isn't even just about a religion. This is not about Islam, this is a human, it's part of human nature. The human beings want to be free, they don't want to be enslaved. And when their families attack, they will defend it to the death. They won't care. And this even goes beyond human nature, this is even part of animal nature. When animals are attacked, even if the predator that's attacking is much more powerful, you'll find a buffalo trying to fight off a lion to save its young. That's instinctive nature Allah put inside so much of His creation, of course including human beings. How weak did He make these people that soldiers could break into their homes and kill their own baby boys in front of them and they would just stand there and cry and not fight back. And then letting their women live has a more grotesque meaning. It has a more disturbing meaning and I won't spell that out for you, you can figure out what that means when an army lets women live. And then when this is happening and they're not fighting back, you have to ask yourself, these are not the first people that have ever been invaded. Why are they not retaliating? Why are they not fighting? Why are they not conspiring to rebel? What's, what's made them so incredibly weak that you can't imagine that level of weakness? And so that is really what I want to explore in these coming khutbahs, is how is it that a human being can make other human beings so very weak? that they can take any kind of advantage of them and they won't stand up for themselves. Why are these people not willing to stand up for themselves?
And so the first word, which is really the subject of the khutbah today, it's actually just one word. That in, in that one word, Allah described the Fir'aun's powerful tactic. There are going, there's going to be another word in the next khutbah, but this word, this, this khutbah is about just that one word. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, فَاسْتَخَفَّ قَوْمَهُ فَأَطَاعُهُ He made, and I'm going to give you a bad translation first, He made His people feel light, and therefore they followed Him. He made His people feel light, and therefore they followed Him. Now that sounds like an ambiguous statement, and Allah's profound language in the Qur'an, He used the word istighfaf, to describe what the Pharaoh did when he made them feel light. And as I dug into this word, I found that there are at least four dimensions that we can appreciate that word with. But before I get to those four dimensions, just an introduction. It, the, the word istighfaf comes from the word khafif or khiffa, which means lightness. But from it also you get the word khuf, which is used for the bottom of your shoe or the, the sole of your socks. The word is used actually, first of all, it's the opposite of heaviness, it's something light, that's what it fundamentally means. But it also means something that is there to give you convenience, something that you step on. When you step on the hoof, the hoof faces the pebbles, the hoof faces the pain, the difficulty, so that you can be, conven you can be convenient. It's for your ease and your comfort that you get to step on the hoof. When someone becomes khafif, it's actually someone who's easy to step on. For your convenience, you can step on them, manipulate them, put them through whatever, and they'll just take it step after step after step. When you literally have your foot on somebody else's neck, you're, you've made them khafif. That's literally what the implication is. And of course, you can do that with armies and beat people. But there's more than that. There's a psychological war that's captured inside of istighfaf that I'd like to start with today. So the first of them, makings, the first implication of istighfaf, فَاسْتَخَفَّ قَوْمَهُ is to make people feel weak. To want them to feel, even if they're strong, they're going to feel weak. قَدْ يَكُونُ فِي الْجِسْمِ وَالْعَقْلِ وَالْعَمَلِ To make them feel unintelligent. You know, it's all, to make them feel like they're not that many of them. And so when, when this is done by the Pharaoh, I, I, I care less about how the Pharaoh did it. But implying that word, how do we do it nowadays? And there are two groups of people. People that do it on purpose, they actually want others to feel weak. This is a way of them having power and control over them, to put them down and to make them feel powerless themselves. Remember, Fir'aun is an old man. He can't physically overpower anyone, but he can make people believe that they're weak and he's strong. He can do that. He can create that perception in their minds. And there are manipulative people, sometimes in our families, sometimes among our friends, sometimes an employer, sometimes a jealous coworker, sometimes a friend. These are people that can make you feel weak. And how, how do they do it? You know, they, they'll say things to you like, well, you know, I couldn't even do this. You think you can do any better? I have way more qualifications than you. And you start doubting yourself like, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're much better than I am and you couldn't do it. How could I even bother trying? People that remind you of your mistakes constantly. Look at how pathetic and weak you are. Look at this mistake you made and this mistake you made. This is the way of winning arguments, by the way. When somebody tries to stand up for themselves, you just remind them of the mistakes they made, so they shut up and sit down. So they won't speak up for themselves again. You have no right to stand up for your rights. Look at the mistakes you made. You be quiet. And this is a way of weakening somebody. Then of course, you can put somebody down even for their future aspirations. Some young girl or boy decides to apply for a college or a university or apply for a better job. And some people in his own family, his own siblings, even loved ones are saying, why are you even bothering? You're not smart enough for that. You know you're not going to get in. You're too weak for that. 
They want them to feel weak. And you know why people do this? Because they're insecure themselves. Fir'aun is terrified himself. How do I know that, the, that Fir'aun himself is scared? Allah says, وَنُرِيَ فِرْعَوْنَ وَهَمَانَ وَجُنُودَهُمَا مِنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَحْذَرُونَ Allah wanted to show the Pharaoh among others what they had been afraid of. The Pharaoh is afraid that this game I'm playing of making people feel weak, if they see past it, they'll realize how weak I actually am. If they see through it, then my, my, my entire show is over. So these people, they hide their own weakness by convincing you that you're the one that's pathetic, you're the one that's weak. And you buy into it when you're, when, when you're beat down enough times and you're told you're powerless and you're incapable, you start accepting that for yourself. People will put you down about your current state. You can't even get a real job. You can't even do this. You can't even do that. Reminding you of your weakness. And you start internalizing it and saying, you, you know, at one point a person defends themselves. But you do this enough times and they start believing the rhetoric themselves. They start accepting, yeah, I am a loser. I can't do any better. And a self-hate kind of takes over them. And at that point, there's nothing you can do. We, other people do this. You know, these are words that I shared, some brief examples I shared with you, that people may use deliberately to hurt your feelings, to make you feel weak, as a means of exercising control. And don't forget this. Everything I'm sharing to you, with you today is actually a person making you feel these things. That's not their goal. Their goal is to get you to submit to them in some way. Their goal is to have you under their control, under their influence in some way. That's the goal. That's the reason this is done. It's the goal is not to make you feel bad. The goal is to make you submissive and to be to keep you under control. This is what the Fir'aun was doing. Fa'ata'uhu was the agenda. So they follow him. So they obey him. Now this, without realizing it, sometimes you make someone feel weak. You could give somebody a compliment and insult them at the same time. MashaAllah, you're really good at this one thing. And that's, that's a way of saying you're pretty bad at everything. But at least you're good at this one thing. What? I said something nice. But you undermine this person's capabilities. You undermine that. They asked to do more work and no, no, but you're really good at that. Why don't you just do that? MashaAllah, you're the best at it. <laughs> Yet another way you could do it is, oh, here, 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 let me help you. I know that's hard for you. No, you could sound like, I mean, it came across as, no, 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 I was just trying to help. I'm giving them, a, I'm, I'm appreciating that they're not able to do it. Yeah, but you made them feel incapable. We can do that often, and when I come to that, you know, your kids come up to you and you give different children tasks. You do this, you do this, you do this. And this kid comes up to you and says, I want to do more. No, 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 you just do this. You're, you're good at this. You give them the lighter task. Now you did it out of love because you don't want them to be burdened, but what did they feel? They felt like my father, my mother thinks of me as less. They don't think I'm capable of handling more. They've given me a lighter burden. Now we move on. The first was to make someone feel weak. The second meaning of istighfaf, istakhaffa fulanun bihaqti, idha istahana bihi, wastakhaffa bihi ahanahu, kama yaqul takhaffafta minni. All of these words imply basically from the lexicon to make someone feel like they don't have value, which is different from feeling weak. They don't have value. They don't have any real purpose. And so when you do this to someone, you make them feel worthless that they're really not Nobody cares for them. They're not important to anyone. They haven't done anything of importance. You keep reminding them that their, their life is a failure. They haven't accomplished anything all these years. They couldn't even finish school. They couldn't even keep that job. They couldn't even do this. They couldn't even do that. What do you ever do for the family? What have you ever done for us? I mean, you're just a burden. 
Sometimes, you know, in, in the culture I come from in Pakistan, we have some great things in our culture, but some horrifying things in our culture. Daughters that are past a certain age, and if they're not married, the father will make snickering remarks about how she's just another mouth to feed. And how she's becoming, a, I need to get rid of this burden. I need to remove this burden from the family. Like she's a load on the family until she's married off and gotten rid of. This is how we speak of even our own loved ones. How devalued do we make them feel that all they feel like is they're just space taking, taken up and a load and a burden on the rest of their loved ones. Parents, without realizing it, and I don't mean to pick on parents because this happens virtually in every relationship. They might say even mean things like, we wish we never gave you birth. What a mistake it was. Sometimes in anger we say, the, how, how devalued can a person feel that their own parents are saying your, your life was a mistake. You coming into this world was our mistake, you know? And to remind them that they haven't contributed or done anything. And to tell people, you know, it's nice to tell people that you should be grateful. That's a good thing to say. Remind each other that we should be grateful. But there's a way to say it to completely devalue someone. You know, you should be grateful to me because you really don't deserve everything I do for you. But, I, you know, I, I, at the very least you should be as grateful. It's, in other words, we're not teaching Alhamdulillah, but Ihmad Li. Don't forget Alhamdulillah, just be grateful to me. Appreciate me, acknowledge me. And again, when you can, when somebody stands up for themselves or wants to do something you don't want them to do, and now they're about, you know, they say, I want to go to the school or I want to make this decision, and you want to put them in their place, you say, you know what, the least you should do is be grateful and listen to me. A way of exercising control, a way of making them feel guilty and making them feel like they're the one being ungrateful. This is why a lot of people that are even under oppression, people that are being mistreated, even if they try to speak up, the first response to them is, you should be grateful. Why are you talking like this? Okay, look at all the good things that have been done for you. They provide food for you, they provide shelter for you. So what if they hit you a little bit sometimes? So what if they curse you out a little bit sometimes? What's the big deal? You should have more sabr, you should be grateful for all the good things that are happening. This is a kind of istighfaf. This is, even the slave could have been told in the time of the Pharaoh, hey, I know they whip you, but they give you food, right? You want to starve in the desert? Is that what you want? You should be grateful for what you have. I mean, the likes of you, this is the best you'll ever deserve. You know, this is devaluing somebody and, and, and making them feel insignificant. And, and of course, this is done on purpose, but it can also be done without you intending it. You could meet somebody here and you're walking out of the masjid and say, Hey, I saw you at Walmart. You work there, right? I was like, Why are you saying that out loud in front of everyone? No, I'm, I'm glad. At least, you know, any job's a good job, I guess. You know, just make them feel worthless. Make them feel humiliated and embarrassed. And they start thinking to themselves, yeah, yeah, I have a pretty low job. There's no dignity in my work, you know. This, we don't even realize we're doing this. Oh, your family, you guys live in those, those apartments, right? Those ones? <laughs> like, yeah, we live in those apartments. Yeah, I saw you riding your bicycle into them. You can make a woman feel, you know, and, and people don't do this just about wealth and money. Sometimes you have a woman who can't conceive a child. And she goes to some gathering and other her friends, you still don't have a baby? How come? How devalued does she feel? How embarrassed does she feel? How do, how do you know her struggles? How do you know what she's been through? And to just throw those words out like that, you know? This is to devalue people without even realizing it. And so now there are two, to make people feel weak and to make people feel unvalued. To make people feel worthless. The third implication is 
اذا استجهله فحمله على اتباعه في غيه كما يقول سبحانه وتعالى للنبي عليه الصلاه والسلام ولا يستخفنك الذين لا يقنون they say in the arabic language استخفه عن رايه اذا حمله على الجهل وازاله عما كان عليه من الصواب all of what i said in arabic basically means when you make someone feel like a fool like every opinion they have is stupid unintelligent how could you even have that opinion when somebody speaks up you say really you know what you sound a lot better when you're quiet you, you seem a lot smarter when you're quiet you should just stay quiet every time they suggest anything your first response is either by words or they'll stare at you like really that's that's what you have to say just by your facial expression you make someone feel unintelligent make someone feel foolish and stupid they start questioning themselves do i even anything i have to say any thought i have any opinion i have any suggestion i have it must automatically be dumb it must automatically be unintelligent. I've seen people so beat down that way, they come up to me with a question, I have a question about the Qur'an, I know it's probably stupid. Why do you think that? You know why you think that? Because there are people around you that have constantly told you everything you ever ask and everything you ever say is, is unintelligent. And you've accepted that for yourself. So you even assume when you go to someone and even seek help, I know it's probably stupid, I, I am, I'm pretty dumb. You, put your, you accept that for yourself, you start putting yourself down, you know. And so you can do this, it's, it's an incredible tactic to make someone feel this way even when they're right. They could be saying something right, but the way you respond to it, the way you treat it with a laugh. <laughs> well, I, I didn't say something wrong. Really? You? Is that what you have to say? That's all you have to say? What nonsense. You know, if somebody says something incorrect, you could show them why that's incorrect. You could do that. But you can also, you don't know how to do that, but you do know how to make them feel like they're incorrect emotionally. You manipulate them. You make facial expressions and gestures and suggestions and scoffs that they don't even have to, they, there was no intelligent conversation. It was just emotional, psychological manipulation. That's all it was. This is istighfaf also, to make someone feel unintelligent. So that these people that were enslaved and controlled, they lose confidence in their own opinion. As a matter of fact, even when somebody asks their opinion, they say, I don't, I don't know, ask them, they know better. They no longer reserve the right even for themselves to have an opinion. They've been stripped of that. They've been, that's been taken away from them. And that's what happens to large populations who say, well, they said it on the news, they know better. Because their, their right to think for themselves has been taken away. You're not smart enough to think, let us think for you. You know, this isn't just done inside the family or among friends. This can even be done in the religious sense. There could be cult leaders and, 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 and manipulators that take entire congregations and say, don't think this way, you're not smart enough to think for yourself. You shouldn't be asking those questions. If you ask those questions, you're out of Islam. You're a kafir, you're a deviant, you're fasiq. You shouldn't be thinking for yourself. And the, when the population is, the congregation is beat down enough, they say, yeah, 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 the shaykh said that, I, I, can't, I can't ask any questions. Astaghfirullah. How can I even ask a question? You accept the, the, this notion that you're too foolish to think for yourself. This is also a form of istighfaf. And the final form of istighfaf. So I've given you, I'll remind you three so far, to make somebody feel weak, to make somebody feel worthless, and to make someone feel like a fool, unintelligent. And then final, the final form of istighfaf I want to share with you, خِفَّةُ الرَّجُلْ طَيْشُهُ وَخِفَّةُهُ فِي عَمَلِهِ It's actually, إِذَا أَغْضَبْتَهُ أَخَفَّنِي إِذَا أَغْضَبَنِي They say in Arabic, it was really interesting. To do istighfaf of someone is to agitate someone and disturb somebody emotionally. 
to manipulate somebody emotionally. In other words, you make them really angry, you say very offensive things, and immediately follow, I love you, you know I love you, right? And you're just confused, like, what just happened? You were just insulting me, tearing me to shreds, and all of a sudden there's your arm over my shoulder, but you know I love you, right? It's gonna be okay. And your emotions are constantly being thrown this way and this way. You know, tarab and jaza, they say in, in, in describing this word. This person is sometimes extremely agitated, then extremely calmed down, and between the two, they're, nev they're never emotionally stable. To keep somebody emotionally unstable by constantly wavering between, you know, offending them, aggravating them, making them upset, and as soon as they get upset, of course, like you know, there's some people in, our, in our, among friends, family, they love saying sarcastic comments, critical comments, poking at you, poking at you, poking at you, and the moment you lose it, they'll say, "That's what Islam teaches you, right? Losing your temper, huh? You don't know about sabr, huh? What happened? Why, why, why do you even have a beard? You can't even have sabr." So this kind of, and, and at the end of it, you know, we're friends. I love you. This kind of emotional manipulation, what does it do? It drives somebody mad. They can't think straight for themselves. Then they start making foolish decisions because they're emotionally bothered. And when they make foolish decisions, then you go back and say, see, you're a fool. That's the other kind of istighfar. You see the kind of manipulation that happens? This is, when this is done, by one individual to another, any of these forms of istighfaf, then again, don't lose sight of the fact all of this is done for one purpose, to keep somebody under control, to not let them fulfill a certain purpose. To, and it's not because the person who ha, who's doing this to you is powerful, it's actually most of the time because the person doing this to you is weak. And this is the only way they can exert power, is by convincing you that you are weak and worthless and foolish and have no value. And, and keeping you emotionally unstable, constantly manipulating your feelings, playing with them. And so I want to conclude with this, and inshallah we'll pick this up in the, in the next khutbah. Those were all corrupt people. Fisq in Arabic means when a fruit goes bad, and you know, sometimes a fruit looks perfectly good on the outside, but it's terrible on the inside. It's gone. But when a fruit goes bad and it starts oozing out, you won't touch it. You could see the fungus on it already, you won't touch it. That's actually fisq. When corruption comes out, when you disturb people like this, when you humiliate people like this, when you make them feel no sense of worth for themselves like this, you know what happens? They have no respect left for themselves and they do the kind of behavior that is absolutely corrupt without even realizing it, without even thinking about it. It's not even the oppressor that is now corrupt. The oppressed now leans towards corruption because they say, what's the point? I'm worthless anyway. Well, what do you want me, want me to do? I'm dumb anyway. What does it matter if I do this or not? It's not like I have any value. So they'll engage in acts that make them feel some kind of value. You put someone down long enough, you beat them down long enough, and you, some, some people might be doing this in the name of Islam. All of what I've shared with you isn't just done by oppressors and kuffar and others. Sometimes we use ayat and a hadith of the Prophet to do this to people. We do istighfaf of people using the sacred word of Allah and making them feel in the, the, this way. And what happens? Then this young boy, this young girl, this man, this, they rebel and they, do, they make terrible decisions in their life. They'll resort to something like alcohol or illicit relationships or drugs or worse, whatever else. Why? Because we, we, we made them fasiq. 
this, this istighfaf is a very powerful thing. It's the opposite of walaqad karramna bani adam. I tell you the, the last thing in this khutbah. This tactic is so dangerous. It is so dangerous that our messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam was warned against it. Don't let them do that to you. La yastakhiffannaka la yuqinun. They better not do istighfaf of you. And yastakhiffanna is noon thaqila it's called. They better not, they better not, they better not make you feel worthless. They better not make you feel like you're a fool. Because when they would call him poet, magician, when they'd call him these things, it's devaluing him. It's making him feel, it's calling him insane, it's making him feel like a fool. Allah says, don't let that happen to you. Why am I telling you that? Because if that's been happening to you, that doesn't mean you're some weak person. I can't believe I, you know, I let other people get away with this and they did it to me. This is such a powerful tactic. tactic. Even Allah had to warn His own Messenger وسلم, against it. So it's not something small. It's not something that, that, that we take lightly. May Allah Azza wa protect us from being those who do istighfaf of others, and may Allah Azza wa protect us from becoming victims of istighfaf. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim, wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa, wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi alladhina astafa, khususan ala afdalihim, wa khatamin nabiyin, Muhammadin al-Amin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Yaqulullahu Azza wa Jal fi kitabihi al-Kareem, ba'da anakula a'udhu billahi min al-Shaytan al-Rajim, inna Allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabiyin. أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا